Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Thank you for listening today. Lexi and I are just hanging out here. Well, not together. Wish we were together, but I'm (laughs) hanging out in Illinois. She's hanging out in Utah. And we have something interesting to talk to you about today, but um, we're going to do our little icebreaker first. Uh, Do you have one? I have a few. I wrote some down. Do you want me to do? I didn't actually write any down. No, go for it. So one of them that I thought would be timely since the weather has turned here and it's officially cold and I know that you've been <laughs> cold for a while a while what are your guys's favorite wintertime activities for kids like keeping kids busy when they can't go play outside as much oh so in the house activities well it doesn't have to be in the house because mine kind of is an outside activity actually oh Okay, you go first and let me think on this. Okay, so mine was um I was just going to put a plug in for um those warm coveralls that we got for the kids last year. Um, So we decided last year that we were going to invest in some really warm outside clothes that the kids could play in. um, So that way we could still go outside even whenever it was quite a bit colder. And uh, we bought, I don't know if, I don't know if Rural Kings are like a nationwide store or anything, but we bought from Rural King these coveralls that are, um, the brand is Bernie. I always want to say Berkey for some reason, but they're Bernie. And they're just like a insulated, they're close to $50, I think. So we definitely like sized up on them and um, cuff them up so that the kids can wear them for a couple of years. Hopefully more than that. We'll see. And my younger Valor, he actually has a coveralls, or not coveralls, but a um, Carhartt brand that we got from someone we know, a hand-me-down. But anyways, my advice is warm weather gear so that you can still go Mm. outside. And because we still go on walks and stuff, even though it's really cool, like bundle them up and still go on walks. And um, that that was what came to mind first when I was going to talk about what to do with kids when it's cold outside. So they're like, they're less of a snow pant and more almost like the Carhartt work pants and correct? Yes. yes. Okay. They're like a, you wear your clothes underneath and then I usually do like their normal clothes they're wearing that day and then put on a hoodie and mm-hmm. like a hat and gloves and then put on those and they're, and they're, yeah. and then they, you can, you can actually put a coat on over them if you felt like it, if you felt like you needed that, if you just want them to be one giant snowball. You can do that one giant puff ball walking around. That's fine. <laughs> and we bought and we bought good snow boots for the kids last year too because it's like when you don't have the right gear for outside, then you're outside for like five minutes and miserable. So um, correct. We, we invested too. in some good stuff for the kids. Um, and Jared has he has the same. He has like a matching set. <laughs> So they all have the warm weather gear. And I picked up a, um, I actually picked up a snowsuit thing at a yard sale this summer. I haven't got to try it out yet, but once it gets actually snowy, I'll probably wear that, but we're all about the layers. Got to keep your core warm. We always talk about keeping your core warm <laughs> and, and gloves and stuff like that. And then you can stay outside for a really long time. So yeah, we do oh, that yeah. a lot in the winter. Um, and then we do lots of like, I've talked about kinetic sand. The kinetic sand has been really popular in my house the last few weeks. Kinetic sand and like we did some craft projects this week. I feel like we do more craft projects in the winter than we do in the summer. 
Um, yep. More projecty things. What about you guys? More picture books. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I guess I just have not let myself have the option of not going outside. It really helps when you have a group of friends specifically who are not holding you accountable specifically, but who are also committed to getting outside. So I think for us, we too, um, like Utah, this is November 1st. It snowed three times already. It's like in the twenties, mm. it's cold. So wool, we do wool base layers. Um, and then we have those fun rain pants for when it's rainy and muddy. And then we have snow pants and stuff like that. But the rain pants have been fun for like the spring and, and the fall. Cool. And then, um, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So two like resources that were really helpful in shaping the way I thought about this is Katie Bowman's uh, nourishing movement. She has so much stuff on just like natural lifestyle integrated exercise outdoors through all sorts of weather. So she's a total pagan, but she has really helpful um, tips and tricks for getting outside in the cold weather. Okay. And then um, what was the name of the book? Oh, I think it's called like, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. Oh. She's a, she's like Finnish, Scandinavian of some sort. And so over there, it, it's totally normal for them mm-hmm. all year long to be outside like six hours a day, even okay. having meals outside. And so that just helped stretch my American mindset of staying inside when it gets cold. So, but yeah, for me, the big thing that we do inside is I just, um, I don't buy many picture books and I don't stress out about doing tons of read alouds during the summertime, but in the wintertime, that's when we spend the bulk of our like um, school budget on new picture books. So that's what we've been doing every few weeks. We get like a new stack in the mail basically. <laughs> yeah. We frequent the library a lot more often in the winter too, I think. Yeah. Um, but I will link all the stuff that we just talked about, all the books and also rain pants oh, yeah. and turkeys and all those things. I'll link all that stuff so that if anyone is curious and wants to be able to go outside more when it's cold outside, hopefully you guys will be able to um, grab some of those things. So yeah, hopefully if anyone else has some great ideas about what you do with your kids when it's cold outside, let us know. Comment I was going to say too real quick that a uh, Scandinavian gal has a blog that's called rain or shine mama. So the book is good, but the blog has a lot of um, like links to specific items of clothing. If, if you need help in that okay. regard. Cool. Yeah. Um, I feel like I also do some more like kitchen skill stuff in the winter time with the boys learning to do some like cooking together and that kind of stuff. I don't know. We focus on more things that you can do inside that you, I mean, you could do in the summertime, but uh, not feeling bad when we don't do those in the summertime, like you said, and just kind of doing more stuff like that in the winter. Another thing that we do, we, we've taught both of our boys pretty young, um, just to be around fire (laughs) because we have fires outside a lot and just like a respect and caution for fire, but also to know how to be around it to stay warm. So yeah. That's another thing. We make a lot of fires and work outside and go stand by the fire for a minute. And then Jared's always cutting down limbs or doing something out there. So anyways, that's another thing we do. Make fires, roast marshmallows. So, okay. So Lexi and I are starting a series today that's going to be called Temptations of a Pastor's Wife. And we're just going to go through a few different things that we feel like are common temptations um, that you may face, um, that we have perhaps faced, um, that we've had to think through biblically and just want to be as um, faithful to the word as possible about. So today we're going to talk about 
basically the temptation for a platform, just how there may be times in your husband's ministry where there's a lot of people that are also looking to you and looking up to you. And the fact of the matter is that the pastor's wife is just a more visible role than a lot of other women in the church. So because of that, there may be a lot of eyes on you looking for help and advice, and it may seem that there's an opportunity there for a platform. So we're going to talk about the dangers in a platform. Um, So that's why we call it the temptation of a platform. And then we're also going to just kind of discuss what a healthy way of influence can be for a pastor's wife. So I'm going to pray because this is kind of controversial and definitely relevant culturally right now. So I'm going to pray and just ask God for help. And then Lexi is going to um, start us out. So Lord, I pray that you would help us today. Um, we need your help. We need wisdom. And you tell us that when we lack wisdom to ask. So I pray that you will definitely just help us as we talk, that you would give us clarity of mind and speech, and that you would help us to say things that you would want us to say that would honor you and um, that would um, just be in line with what you say clearly to us in your word. And I pray that you would Mm. be with us and be with our listeners and help their hearts to be sensitive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Start us out, Lexi. Part of, okay, can you hear me still? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, cut out for just a sec. Um, So I guess I'm just going to read this quote that kind of sparked this conversation between Jordan and I today. Um, It's from Hannah Anderson. And honestly, part of why we're just using names is because we feel like there's a total lack of um, charitable back and forth conversation about these topics. And we are 100% willing to engage in conversations about these things if Hannah Anderson or anyone else that we may name now or in the future want to talk to us. We're 100% game for that. So anyways, so Hannah Anderson, I really liked her book. I read it a few years back. It's called Humble Roots. Have you read it, Jordan? I've not, no. I heard her okay. uh, reference it though at the conference. Oh, okay. Um, it was actually very helpful. It was. I read it when I was pregnant with my third and During that time, my husband had basically said, you need to replace yourself in women's ministry, fire yourself and get someone else to take over. (laughs) And so between, I mean, honestly, it's hilarious because between Humble Roots, Zach Eswine's book, Sensing Jesus, and Rachel Jankovic's books, uh, Fit to Burst and Loving the Little Gears, I pulled back entirely on the platform, if if you want to use that word, on the platform that God gave me at church. I quit everything and came home. And so part of why even we're talking about this today is because I almost feel like this is a mixed message coming from Hannah Anderson based on everything I read in her book. But anyways, so she says, waking up this morning over 800 miles for my husband and kids so I can obey the call of Jesus to teach his gospel. Do you know how many times I wanted to, quote, go home over the last few years? Do you know how badly women who serve the church through itinerant ministry want to go home but overcome out of a deep commitment to their Lord? Every time I leave, uh, my heart feels like it's torn in two. So grateful to be called to this work. So sad to have to leave those I love behind. Every time I leave them, I think, what if something happens to me? Will this be the last time my children see me? And every time I have to entrust all, all of us to our Heavenly Father. Here's the irony. I started writing and teaching in part because I wanted to model for my daughter what it would look like to obey the call of God no matter where he calls you to. 
The other irony is that I'd like nothing more than to stay home. My dream would be to be able to write and teach vocationally without having to trapeze. All right. Sorry, everybody, if this is um, odd splicing or something. We had an uh, unexpected midwife appointment for Lexi. How did that go, by the way? <laughs> it, was, it was great. <laughs> okay. All right. So you were in the middle of reading a tweet from Hannah Anderson, and um, I think you were on the part about trapezing the world or something like that. Yeah. I'll read that sentence and then the following one, and that's kind of the end of the thread. Um, so she says, the irony is that I'd like nothing more than to stay home. My dream would be to be able to write and teach vocationally without having to traipse the globe. But for women like me, women with a set of gifts most churches don't yet know what to do with, we often have to choose between taking the message more broadly or being silent. What do you think about this, Jordan? We're just going to kind of chat from here, I think. Um, Any first thoughts that come to your mind? Um, first thoughts that come to my mind is I'm sad for her and I hate it that she's feeling this way. I hate it that she feels like God's calling her to something that's such a burden, a heavy burden. Um, mm. and I know that she said that she feels happy to do it and, um, but she also expresses a deep, like emotional response to having to do this. And you and I both <laughs> Our, the first scripture that came to our minds, both of us, um, whenever we heard this was my yoke is easy and my burden is light that God doesn't call us to heavy burdens. Um, so that's just my first instincts is I feel sad, um, that she feels like that God would call her to something like this. And then also my feelings are going to be pretty obvious. If you listen to our priorities episode or five vocations, I think we titled that one, um, we feel that the home is a wife's first priority. And I don't want to just like assume our, that everyone would understand our point of view on this. So um, I yeah. was going to go ahead and read Titus 2 again. I know we read this in previous episodes, but um, this is Titus 2, 3. Um, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the younger women to love their house, husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Um, and so from Titus 2 and also Proverbs 31, Lexi and I um, have come to the conviction and conclusion that um, a wife would not be called to anything before she is called to the home, to anything that would sacrifice home on the altar of whatever they feel like God is calling them to. Mm -hmm. And another thing that Hannah said in a talk that I heard her give last week was that God was, God had began opening these opportunities for her to speak and it was causing her to have to leave home more often. And it was, and I don't want to misquote because I didn't write it down or anything, but it was, along the lines that her husband, you know, was, he was taking up slack at home for her being gone. And then that the children were, that it was hard for her and the children that she would have to leave, but that it caused them to mature because of her absence. And I just, that just struck me that I just felt, I felt sad that she felt that way. Um, just that, that God would ask her to, to put, her kids on a back burner and, um, and I, and I believe wholeheartedly. And I think that, um, accords with scripture that God would not be asking her to do that, that uh -huh. there are times in our life that 
and this this goes along with what we're saying here and the point of this episode is not Hannah Anderson but the point of the episode is um whenever we feel temptations or drawing towards things that that we would always check scripture first because God's will will never contradict what he clearly calls us to in his word um, correct that there are times that we may feel a subjective quote unquote call to something or opportunity for platform, but his subject, but a subjective feeling will never contradict objective truth in God's word. So we got to be aware whenever we feel drawings or notions, just that we have a flesh and we have an enemy that can rise up and perhaps provide opportunities that would actually cause us to disobey God's word and God's obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I think with that subjective type feeling is women are very likely to say like, well, I just don't have peace about it in prayer. And that can be an easy scapegoat, I think, for for like disobeying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the, if you ask yourself, like, what does scripture say first? That's the answer to my prayer. Mm-hmm. If it truly is 100% silent on the issue and there are no principles that you can apply from scripture, then then maybe you can trust the leading of the Holy Spirit in that way. But if it is very clear in scripture, you need to honor scripture as the answer to prayer, if that makes sense. God's actual spoken word to your prayer request. But I think, uh, okay, don't let me forget these two things. So I want to talk about this perspective from a pastor's wife perspective. And then I want to talk about it from the historical reformation perspective. So pastor's wife, I want to also mention a conversation I had or attempted to have <laughs> with Elise Fitzpatrick on tw- Twitter a couple of months ago. I think I might still have screenshots from it, but I, I just hear this same complaint a lot. Like they don't know what to do with women like us in the church. And she was basically saying, can't women do more than just cook food for the church and change diapers? And so I responded with to her because I had worked with her a little bit at deeply rooted magazine when I was on staff there. And um, I had reviewed some books for her and just had a little bit of a um, relationship. And so I just responded to her and said, Hey, (laughs) I see clearly in scripture that I am called first to my home and my husband as a pastor's wife. I feel like I'm doing a pretty extensive job of that, trying to be hospitable, trying to serve my husband, trying to serve my kids as faithfully as I can. And I'm tired at the end of the day. And I wasn't talking about this in a complaining sort of a way, but I told her, I can't imagine having to take on um, whole entire church platforms, teaching or entire auxiliary type ministries. In addition to what I'm doing now, that would be an exhausting burden to carry as a pastor's wife. So my point was that I think scripturally, it is not normal for women to be able to have that extra grace or ability or that extra ministry. I think very rarely it can happen. I don't think it's normal though. So I think it's really weird when these same people that are so worried about us maintaining gospel centrality and don't cast that heavy burden on me at the same time, it's almost like they're adding extra biblical uh, commands than what God has simply said to us as women in scripture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or just extra biblical, like, suggestions you know like extra biblical like 
encouragement that that definitely don't align with what God is calling women to do. And the sad Correct. thing is like we we're so inundated with a culture that's doing the same thing yeah. that it can be so confusing. And that's one reason why I felt really strongly like I wanted to talk about this on the podcast was that I feel like I I want to encourage my sisters, like listeners out there, fellow Christian sisters, like don't be fooled by the lie that significance and and um, mm-hmm. obeying God's will is like to do something huge and like follow your dreams and like this and that. Be cautious when you hear things like that, like because it it is calling you to more, more, more. Yeah, and. And that obedience isn't always doing more, more, more. Sometimes yeah. it means saying no and doing less and focusing your efforts on clearly, um, clearly called things in your life, like yes. your family and your home and your husband and, and um, the things right in front of you. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about too is just like women who have made an impact throughout history. So yesterday was Reformation Day and I immediately thought of Katie Luther who – um, you know, married to Martin Luther, she was a nun who did not foresee marriage in her future, but the Lord ordained otherwise. And they had a whole mess of kids. I don't even remember how many, I think it was like nine or 10 kids. She basically ran a hotel out of her house. People were studying under her husband constantly. She was overseeing like making of beds on a daily basis for people being in the kitchen. I think she was really well known for her gardening and she brewed beer. We talk about this a lot. (laughs) Um, But I mean, thinking historically, Martin Luther made such an impact on the church and the way Katie Luther made such an impact on the church was staying home. Mm -hmm. She was home and she was doing all of those domestic type things that could be viewed as menial. Um, but that's how like she was doing her part in the reformation, the biggest movement in church history. (laughs) And then a more modern example of it. Um, I actually haven't read this book, but a friend of mine recently told me about, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. If it's Labri or Labri, the Schaefer's uh, ministry, um, mom, mom, her books are fabulous, but I haven't read the one titled Labri specifically, but my friend was telling me we were having a conversation just about like, if you valuing serving others through food and hospitality and just, um, the good gifts of homemade food, then you have to be okay with being in the kitchen a lot of the time. And she said it actually helped her to read that book because she saw that Francis believers and unbelievers would come study under him from all over the world. And basically stay at their house for free. And so she too was essentially running a guest home out of their house. And Paige said it just helped her to see how much time that Edith was spending in the kitchen on a daily basis just to take care of these people. And they're like one of the most, the last great Christian cultural movement in America, the Schaefers were like one of the head families guiding that movement. So it's just, it's just interesting to see that today, we're putting an emphasis on people like Hannah Anderson and Beth Moore who are leaving the home to, um, you know, make great waves for Jesus. But then historically forever, it's been the opposite where women are staying home to do these things. Yeah. And we know, like statistically know that over the past, like 50, 60 years, whatever, since the big um, women in the workforce revolution yep. that's happened in our country, um, that it hasn't been good for women. Like 
sadly, it, <laughs> it honestly hasn't been good for women. Like statistically speaking, a rise in anxiety, depression, medications involved with these things has been in females. Like it's, it's seeping mm. into the church, the notion that women have to do it all and, and not have yeah. to, but we have the right to maybe do it all. And if that we aren't doing it all, then we're missing, we're missing opportunities or that we're yeah. missing like this hidden um, valuable thing in ourselves that we could be doing and that we're like throwing away our treasure that we have. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's such a lie and it's so self-focused and, um, and really it's about like, our talents focused rather than God focused Mm, and glorifying God focused. And they're, they're, I'm not denying the fact that women have awesome talents. Like I'm not, it's not like I'm saying women are not capable of doing things. It's that I'm saying that women have to sacrifice their capabilities to obey God. Sometimes I'm not saying like that, that you can't like, you're not capable of doing these things. There are many things that, pastor a pastor's wife may be talented at that she could kill it but if it if it is sacrificing something that god obviously calls you to do correct um then it's disobeying god and and he's not going to call you to do something that would disobey his word he will never contradict contradict his word so the i'm saying the platform may be there like in your church there may be women that are looking to you that um you feel like you have a really strong voice with maybe you feel like these doors are opening for you to have to have a voice in a in a bigger audience and i'm saying the talent may be there you may feel like i'm i feel like i'm good at this like people tell me that i'm good at this but i'm saying that perhaps the timing may be might be off um yeah. maybe maybe um maybe your kids are little right now or your mm-hmm. husband has neat extra needs right now that you are not able to do it all. And, and I think that's what Hannah Anderson is feeling whenever she says things like I'm just so torn or, or whatever it may be. Maybe the timing is off. And if we believe mm. in an all powerful God, do we not believe that if he really is calling us to do these things that he will also provide the right timing in the future and I've said this before about the Proverbs 31 woman, um, that her family was closed before she took the things to the merchant ships. So she saw she, the mm. Proverbs 31 had the talent. She saw what she was making was valuable, but she didn't immediately run to the merchant ships. Um, yeah. so I think just noticing that there are times and seasons for everything and, and to not buy the lie that, that we have to immediately go and have a platform that, yeah. I mean, maybe God really does, has gifted you with something awesome and provided an opportunity, but believe and trust in him that he will not ask you to disobey. Well, and I think, I think too, it's kind of a false dichotomy that she presents at the end there where she says, either we have to go and share the gospel or remain silent. I yes. mean, <laughs> um, I don't at all agree with that because I feel like motherhood and, um, like the home and the the whole call Genesis to be fruitful and multiply, that is the platform God gave you. Mm -hmm. And so he gets to choose who he reaches, how many people he reaches, when he reaches with that platform. But if we're going to, it's almost like if we're just going to try and create all these other false platforms, we're neglecting the most effective one Mm -hmm. 
or the fruit. It's just going to be different and disproportionate from what it could be if we were just obeying God's word. Yeah, we're we're not being silent. We're letting God choose what kind of noise Correct. to make in our Correct. life. Instead of saying, nope, I'm going to be this kind of noise. This is the opportunity I have. I'm going to be this kind of noise. Sometimes we have to deny <laughs> what we feel like we should be doing mm-hmm. and and trust that God's word is authoritative, that we yeah. we submit to what God says. We don't get to choose what we think is best for us. We yeah. get to say God gave us his words clearly in scripture, and we will submit and obey and trust that his will is best for me, not yeah. what I think his will is. Yeah, a few years ago, people were using that language, um, like, we got to create more space for women at the table. Are you familiar with that? Vaguely. I, I mean, I think okay. I know what you're talking about. Just the whole idea of like pursue promoting the women among you sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I heard someone say like, you, you don't have to be creating a unique space for yourself at the table. God made a space for you at the table. Yeah. It's just that we so often reject it out of ungratefulness <laughs> yeah, or pride. Right. Yeah. So. And, and um, I think that it is a temptation for all women, especially those who are taking care of small children to look for opportunities for, I've talked about it before, bucket fillers. You know, it's, mm. it's a temptation for us always to be looking for someone to say, you're good at that. Great job. You, you just, you said that very well or whatever it may be because at home we don't get, a, I mean, especially if your children are really little, it's not often <laughs> that they're like, that was fantastic macaroni and cheese. Thank you for changing the <laughs> again. You know, we don't get a lot of those verbal um, affirmations when you have little kids. Um, so it's, it's a temptation for all of us to want to pursue platforms outside of the home because it's nice to talk with people, you know, and it's, there's seasons of our life yeah. that it's easier to want to escape. But in those yeah. things, we have to trust that God is sanctifying us and he chooses, like you talk, you say the um, term all the time, the curriculum for our sanctification. Um, so we have to allow him to choose that for us and not believe that we are wiser than him. Yeah. And something that you mentioned too, and we were talking about this earlier was Rachel Jankovic kind of saying like, sometimes the reason God gives us a desire is so we actually have a gift to alter to put present to him and give to him on the altar. Cause if he, if he never like gave us good desires, things that we, that are valuable in and of themselves to sacrifice for him, we don't like, how do we show our love to him then? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember whenever Jared and I first got married, whenever I was single, I had a plan for whenever I graduated college and what I thought that I was going to do. And then when Jared and I got married, that's not what I did because I married a man and I now yeah. was one with him. And, and, I, and I no longer, although I thought I still like see those things as valuable at, that I did whenever I was single, there is more important tasks to be done now. And I joyfully do them because I love mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. so there's just something as, as Christian women, we lay down, we lay down some of our preferences or, or dreams or what, whatever you want to call them, those notions that of things that could be done. We lay them down for the sake of, um, one, not reviling the word of God. And then also just of obedience to a loving savior that he saved us and loves us and died for us. And we can lay down our preferences for obedience to him. 
and one more thing that I just wanted to say that Jared and I have kind of talked about back and forth is like, you know, what, what if a man were to make the statement, I've been away from my family a lot. It's very hard for me whenever I'm 800 miles away from them. I, I had to leave because of these things and it really made them mature. Um, but it's just, you know, I'm away from them, blah, 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 blah. Okay. You would probably say, well, are you, are you spending too much time away from your family? Like, <laughs> although, it's, although it's not the same, it's just, it's such a different standard that like women are being yeah. able to have right now in terms yeah. of, it's like we rah, rah around women who are neglecting family. And it's so weird. Like if a ma- if a pastor were to say that he was like spending all this time away from his family and <clears throat> how about how much of an emotional drain it was becoming, like we would question, are you spending too much time <laughs> away from them? Like we would see yeah. red flags and wonder what's up. Yeah. And for women right now, it's like a victory for womankind if you're Correct. away from your yep. family. It, it qualifies them for ministry, whereas if it were the man, it would disqualify him for ministry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's not be crazy here, women. Be wise, but let's let's think clearly, be biblical, and just want to obey the word. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll have some follow-up conversation about this as yeah. we go on. We'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and, yeah. you know, disagree um, with charity. <laughs> Yeah, and and, and I, thoughtfulness. Yeah, and then we we also just wanted to say like there that there are healthy ways for women to have influence. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one we talk about a lot in the home. Um, we're both in seasons where our children are little, so a lot of our thought and um, creativity is going towards discipling our kids. So that's something that we talk about a ton right now. And um, and I feel like a lot of our listeners are in a similar stage of life. And as long as we have children, um, we will be doing that. And even when they're grown, I think there is still a certain level of discipleship that will be happening, um, although it will look different. Um, and then also just loving our husbands. And then, you know, there are opportunities for influence. I mean, we're obviously having a podcast, so there is the tension there of like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of like, there are yes. opportunities for reaching out that God provides. But if there were, I mean, you hear our kids talking in the background a lot <laughs> on on our episodes, and I'm, <laughs> and we do this at times that like, on, I we record on Fridays when Jared's home. But there, if this ever were to like be taking more of my energy, then than mothering, or if I felt like I was neglecting my family, I would tell say in a heartbeat that I was going to stop doing it. But like I said earlier, I think that there are seasons, like if God provided some opportunity for you to go and talk to women and it, and it wasn't a neglect for your family, I'm not saying that that's wrong, that there, that there's never opportunities for women to go and um, have an influence. That's definitely not what we're saying, but there's definitely, and is there anything else you, um, input on like healthy opportunities? No, I guess I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm thinking like, at least right now, this season, it has to be within the context God has already given me. Yeah. If I had to go somewhere away from my family to record this podcast, I couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm also thinking about like different seasons of motherhood. I was able to do a little bit more, you know, I, I was on staff with Deeply Rooted for about five years. I did travel with them and, but that was because I had less children and um, I guess just 
we do have to think seasonally about motherhood, but also honor the fact that the most important people that we can be reaching are the people under our roofs. So, mm-hmm. and we're not going to shy away from that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and if we think that um, the things that we're doing today can affect generations, we think about it differently. But if we think yes. that the things yes. that we do today are just for today, then it's easy to get in the mindset of like, what can I be doing? How can I be reaching people? But if you think about yeah. it in terms of like, hey, the fight that you're fighting today, the good fight that you're fighting today, this affects your children and could affect your children's children. Like, yes, this is a good fight to be fighting. Like, be a good soldier of the Lord and yep. and work hard and affect generations and build culture and change the world. Like, yep. you have an important job and don't belittle what you're doing today. So, yep. anyways, be encouraged, yep. be biblical, obey Jesus. Yes. Anything <laughs> <Good>. else? <laughs> nope. That's a good we'll spot end to end on, on that note. I'm sure we'll be talking to you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. This show is a part of the ministry of The Shepherd's Crook. The Shepherd's Crook exists to remind pastors of Jesus through care, coaching, resources, and events. We have also started The Shepherd's Crook for Wives. Jordan and Lexi are contributing articles to the site, and you can find all the information at theshepherdscrook.co.